I'm your host, Kaylee, and this is Rebel Wellness. Welcome to the Rebel Wellness Podcast, where we embrace a holistic approach to personal health and empower women to break free from the noise of today's diet culture. I'm your host, Kaylee, also known as Coach Kales, and I'm thrilled to have you join us on this journey to becoming healthier, stronger, and more resilient in this life. If you found this podcast, you might be somebody who is tired of feeling bombarded with unrealistic body standards and conflicting health advice and just ready to rebel against the one-size-fits-all approach to wellness. This is a great opportunity and place to create a lifestyle that truly works for you. And I want to welcome you to your new home for everything health and wellness without any of those influences. Rebel Wellness is rooted in the belief that true wellness goes beyond just diet and exercise. It's about nurturing our minds bodies, and souls in a way that aligns with our unique needs and values. So if you are new here, I want to extend a very warm welcome. And if you are a ride or die, hello again. So happy that you have returned. So if you have followed our Instagram at Rebel Wellness Podcast, I bet you already know what this entire month is going to be focused on, what this series is about. If you aren't following that page, highly recommend you join, especially if you want to get sneak peeks and kind of prepare your mind each week of what the upcoming episode is going to be about, because I always share little uh, behind the scenes and sneak previews of each episode. And I, without further ado, I will just tell you, this series is Macros in May. So we are talking all about macros because macronutrients are arguably the easiest way to understand how to manage a flexible diet for the long term. This is an area of nutrition that I am always been extremely passionate about because it's not only been a game changer for every single one of my clients who truly grasp the concepts, but for myself, this has been amazingly freeing. I eat everything I want on vacation and I manage it with balance in my lifestyle when I'm back home. And it's amazing how much you actually can just enjoy life, but also find ways to enjoy being healthy 80% of the time. You know, there's always kind of this balance in life. And that's what I've kind of modeled my coaching over the years around. But this series is extremely important to me to bring to you guys because it's a wealth of knowledge for free. So you might as well Just sit back, grab a notebook, take some notes, and practice it for yourself. And as always, feel free to reach out to me if you have questions about anything in these podcasts, but odds are subsequent Sundays, you are going to probably get those questions answered because today I'm going to give you a little teaser slash informational chunk about macronutrients in general. And each subsequent Sunday, you're going to learn about protein specifically, carbohydrates specifically, and fats. And right off the bat, if you find any of these episodes of this macro series helpful, please share it to your friends, family, Instagram story, wherever you want to share it. I would love for you to spread this knowledge even further. And a very sincere thank you if you do. And if you are somebody who's listening right now who has been listening for a while and has shared on their stories or with their friends or family via text or whatever, uh, if you've shared anything on my podcast and I've seen it or I haven't seen it, I just want to say thank you so much for um, not only supporting the podcast, but also finding this conversation worth sharing. 
Okay, so let's jump into it. So maybe you've heard of, if it fits your macros, maybe you've seen the hashtag IIFYM. That's what that stands for. Flexible dieting or counting macros in general. If you've seen that before or heard of it, you're going to become a professional after this month of understanding what it truly is. Because is it a diet? Is it an eating style? You know, there's a lot of different perspectives and ways that people have kind of altered how you view and count macros, almost to an extent that is a little too obsessive for me. So my goal at the end of this is for you to come out with a really well-rounded understanding about macronutrients and find how to kind of combine it into your life and your lifestyle, maybe commit to several months following it, because I guarantee if you spend a little bit of time studying and learning and understanding what you're currently eating and how to manipulate it and change it to something that's going to support you better long-term or even just actually support your goals better, it will change your life. And you will actually not have to keep logging food in MyFitnessPal or any of that stuff. When a lot of people have fallen off of macros and talked smack about it because they're like, oh, I just can't imagine weighing stuff every day and macro counting. My first response, especially as a coach and somebody who's been practicing it for a very long time now, like over a decade, they're doing it wrong. And no offense to any of you guys, especially if you're one of those people who said that. It's actually just the fact that somebody didn't actually teach you the why behind what you're logging because you actually, it's like riding a bicycle. You don't have to go through that uncomfortable learning phase again, getting familiar with the bike, getting familiar with how gravity works, you know, in motion, et cetera. You don't have to do that anymore, I would assume. Same thing goes with macro counting. So I just also want to set the table and let you know that this is not something that should be a lifetime of counting, weighing, stressing, logging, etc. That is not what macronutrients are about. Understanding macronutrients is so much more, and I'm about to get into it. So do not run away right now if you're just thinking that all we're going to talk about is how to weigh your cheese and stuff like that. And I also want to apologize if you hear any strange background noises. My neighborhood is alive with the sounds of music apparently right now. So heads up if you hear stuff in the background. Apologies. This is just a fantastic microphone and I have a noisy neighborhood at this hour. Okay. So like I said in the beginning, I will reiterate Aside from water, macronutrients are the major, the largest particles that make up all the foods you eat. So this is proteins, carbohydrates, and fats. If you've listened to episode nine about the myths surrounding carbs make you fat or protein makes you fat, I referenced coming back around to a deeper dive chat about each macronutrient. And so in this episode, we, and this whole series of this month, we're talking about all things macros so that you can better understand how each nutrient type contributes to not only the makeup of the food you consume, but how you can manipulate the ratios to create and maintain the physique you desire most. So write this concept down or mentally note it. Macros can help determine your body composition, which is also known as how much fat in respect to lean muscle, bones, and water you have in your body, and or you can retain and build that muscle. And the quality of food determines how you feel. I'll say that one more time. 
Macros can help determine your body composition and the quality of the food determines how you feel. This concept is extremely important to understand because there is a difference between counting calories and counting macros. Counting calories only accounts for the general energy equation of being in a calorie deficit to lose weight. That means calories in, calories out. The more you eat, the more you might gain or the more you have to burn. Equation goes the opposite way, the less you eat, the more you should generally lose in a deficit. This is what we call a deficit in general for calories. But what those calories are made up of are protein, carbs, and fats. Protein and carbs are four calories per gram and fats are nine calories per gram. So as you can see, each gram, let's say 20 grams of fat is going to be 180 calories. And calories simply are how much energy it takes for your body to utilize and burn that nutrient that you just consumed. So typically you'll see that anything that contains higher amounts of fat, such as cheesecake, is very high in calories. That's because as you just learned, fat calories are nine calories per gram each of those grams. So it's gonna take more time and more energy to burn up those calories. If you were somebody who didn't burn hardly any calories for that day, it's gonna be a lot harder for you to be in a deficit if all you're doing is consuming high fat foods. Um, this doesn't mean avoid fats, that's just an example. So just take that face value. So calorie deficits used to lose weight and losing fat are not the same thing. You're gonna see it differently on a scale, for example. Weight is correlated to like gravity and scale. It's your mass. When you are losing Weight, it can be muscle and fat or water. So when people, let's say, start a keto diet and two weeks in, they're down 10 pounds, that is not 10 pounds of fat. It's not a miracle diet. That's 10 pounds of water. Our bodies hold on to anywhere from seven to 10 pounds of water every single day, especially if you're well hydrated. Keto, because your body is searching for carbs as you restrict carbs, significantly, part of the process of phasing into ketogenesis is your body is searching every single molecule of water in your body to get all the carbs possible because there is no more carbs available. Carbs are your body's first choice for energy. So when you are transitioning into ketogenesis, this is why your body loses a lot of water. So for everybody being like, oh my gosh, but you lose so much weight so fast, you lose weight. Weight is not necessarily always fat. And when you have a goal to lose fat specifically, we call that recompositioning or recomp. This is the goal that I usually adjust or we already naturally set for a majority of my clients because this is the main physique that most people want. They want to have more lean muscle, less excess body fat, not necessarily all body fat because like my previous episodes of last month's series, body fat is necessary, especially for females and a healthy amount of it is necessary for happy hormones, happy mental health, etc. But the downside to simply losing weight is that that tends to include muscle loss, almost always. Even when my clients are counting macros and focusing on recompositioning, oftentimes they still lose some muscle because it's really hard to not lose some muscle when you are in a deficit, especially depending on how long or how aggressive you choose to diet. And for those people who have been chronically dieting, like always trying to kind of be in a deficit most days of the week and then 
having a bingey kind of weekend where you overdo it because you went out or you had an event, when you're yo-yoing back and forth through that, that might even be worse for your body than just setting a specific amount of time. Like I would say eight to 15 weeks max of a specific deficit. And then you need to give your body a diet break, quote unquote. Oftentimes when people are dieting and they're not really tracking anything or having any intentions or whatnot, you're probably not actually dieting. And it probably makes sense why you're struggling back and forth with your body composition or your physique, etc. So I'd highly recommend you to continue to listen through this whole series because it's going to be a game changer for how you view food in general. And when you are losing muscle, that's the tone, quote unquote, or the shape that majority of us want to maintain on our body. So this is like nice perky shoulders, a nice perky butt, you know, quad muscle, leanness, etc. That all comes from muscle being revealed as you lose body fat. So if your goal is to lose weight, you are also probably going to lose that muscle if all you're doing is counting calories. And not only does it suck when you lose it for aesthetic reasons, it also sucks because you're losing muscle that is very metabolically expensive, which means that it's going to be burning more calories at rest for you naturally than any of those people who fit in that skinny fat category where they look skinny, but they have like zero muscle. And they tend to struggle a lot more with flexibility with their food and having a string of days where they're on vacation and eating whatever they want. They usually are always on kind of this strict mentality because they don't have enough muscle. So muscle is king in my opinion, because those who have more muscle long-term are less at risk for nearly all diseases, bone density issues, and tend to age more gracefully, quote unquote, even though I don't necessarily love that term. The concept is true because when you have more muscle, it stimulates more bone production, healthier joints, so you don't get at risk of arthritis and things like that more for longer, as well as it stimulates more collagen production, so your skin is tighter and more youthful looking longer. So again, I cannot emphasize enough how important it is to have more muscle, therefore, just counting calories without focusing on what macronutrients make up those calories, we either lose mass in total, which shows up as a lower number on the scale, but is not the ideal physique we would want, or we can manipulate how our body recompositions and support our lean tissue and encourage fat loss more specifically by following macro counting. So this is why this is such an important topic because it will change how your body looks simply by focusing on different macronutrient categories of the foods you eat and understanding how it supports your long-term goals or even short-term goals. So rewind this if you need to hear all that again, but essentially it's extremely important to understand that counting calories is not the same, nor will it give you the same results as honing in and counting macronutrients. All right, so macronutrients, as you now know, are protein, carbohydrates, and fats. They are essential components for our diet that provide us with energy and support for our overall health. Each macronutrient plays a different role in our body, and it's important to understand their functions and how to incorporate them into a healthy diet 
for your goal. So each subsequent episode, like I said before, I'm going to dig deeper into each macronutrient so you can kind of step out of the series, no longer a newbie to macros and manage your health goals even better. But I also want to say the coach in me would encourage you to begin logging your food during this series through an app like MyFitnessPal or any of the other apps. I know a lot of people use like Fitbit or I think there's like Factor or something. I'm not sure. But there's a bajillion different food tracking apps. MyFitnessPal is the OG. It has the biggest database of foods. And you can even just use the feature that like literally scans the barcode of whatever you just made. And it directly adds in exactly the food item you used. Um, There's so many different amazing things you can do with MyFitnessPal, but 10 out of 10 for newbies recommend MyFitnessPal over all other food logging trackers. Um, And I would also give you a little pro tip, go in and zero out all of the macro goals. I know when you sign up, it's going to like ask you some questions about your height, weight goals, et cetera. And then it's going to give you some arbitrary calories and macros to follow. Um, It almost always defaults everyone to 50% carbs. And that is, in my opinion, far too high for majority of people's goals, which is to have more lean muscle and lose excess body fat. Um, For most people who aren't athletes, 50% carbs is a little too high. And um, I would change all of the goals to just zero for now so that you can just log your food during most of the series um, and just kind of be observational about what you put in there. This is really key to starting to build awareness to how many calories and what macros are you falling short on in your day-to-day life. And that's going to give you a little snapshot of where your metabolism is at right now. So highly recommend right now, download the app, begin logging whatever food you remember you ate so far today or whatever you plan to eat and track it throughout the week and just observe what you are doing. Nearly all of my nutrition specific clients observe in the beginning when we start logging that they're consuming dominantly carbs and fats and hardly any protein. This is pretty common, especially for females, and especially in a day and age where there's quite a bit of food propaganda saying we don't need that much protein, which is true for those people that just sit at a desk and have zero fitness goals or muscle goals. But if you are somebody who wants to have lean muscle, wants to have balanced hormones, wants to manage their blood sugar better, you need muscle. Therefore, you need protein because protein is the building blocks of muscle. So this is a situation that we usually um, refer to in the health and fitness industry as the SAD diet, standard American diet. And um, that's where we're seeing a lot of disease being proliferative across the nation, uh, especially because I think it's one out of three people in the U.S. now have diabetes or undiagnosed diabetes, insulin resistance, etc. So that's insane. And it is definitely because we are eating too many processed carbs, too many fake fats or processed fats, and not enough protein to balance it all out. We're going to get into that soon. I call that like a rounded meal when you start to look at each meal having enough of each of those categories. But it is good to know that it's okay if you are one of those people in this first week or two weeks when you start logging your own food and you realize, oh my gosh, I am overeating in carbs and fats. It's exactly what Kale said. Like <laughs> That's normal. It's totally okay. That's oftentimes where when I get off track, I actually do use tracking as a tool to get myself back on track with understanding 
um, what I'm overeating and what I'm undereating, or just to refocus myself in general. So again, macro counting is a great tool because it can kind of come in and out of your life whenever you need it. But that knowledge is always going to be there. So it'll be like riding a bike. You won't even think about it. You'll just reach more for the high protein food item on the menu, like a steak with asparagus and stuff, much more than you're just going to go for like chicken fingers and fries and (laughs) things like that. But also it's kind of freeing because maybe you've been eating so well the last month that you do just go for the chicken fingers and fries. And because your body is balanced, you don't have to worry about that becoming an issue for you. You know, that's the beauty of macro counting. Um, And since many of us have been like raised in a fast food and processed food environment where we don't individually farm or communally raise and grow our food anymore, aka industrialization and such, um, our body's metabolisms are becoming altered to the overconsumption of these engineered fats, carbs, and highly processed proteins. And I will also note that the bad rap that like red meat and stuff has gotten is only because of nitrate enhanced processed meats. There are no studies on natural red meats straight from a sustainably farmed cow that will cause cancer or other diseases. The only red meats that have been studied and got the bad rap for all red meats somehow is processed red meats, such as like sausages, bacons, et cetera, that have been mixed with artificial nitrates, not the natural kind. And so I hear this all the time when I'm like, what proteins do you eat? They're like, I eat fish and turkey bacon and this or that. I don't eat any red meats. Um, It's almost like a badge of honor. And I don't blame people. I hear it all the time from like uh, the World Health Organization or the Mayo Clinic, et cetera, which are all these big companies owned by big food corporations. Um, But I digress on that. Um, And When you look deeper into the actual studies, not just hearsay or biased articles online, when you look at the actual .gov studies, they are only done on processed red meats. And it's only because that is a huge food group that a lot of people, especially in America, do overconsume for sure. But you should not be cutting out, especially as a female, all red meats because we bleed every month most of us bleed every month, we're losing iron and red meat is one of the best places that you can replenish your iron and a bajillion other nutrients that are necessary for our bodies as well for healthy hormones and things like that. So if you are somebody who is not understanding of what food groups are okay, red meat should be back on the table for you. And I'm not saying eat them every single day or every single week, but a couple times here and there a week, is totally healthy for you. And you will hear this from very intelligent, very well-studied scientists and doctors across the board, even on their own podcasts on here. So don't think that I'm just pulling that out of my butt. I only will reshare things that I know to be a fact. And I've seen it help so many of my clients over the years, especially plant-based clients or vegetarian clients that reincorporate these things into their diet. They usually have to use digestive enzymes at first to kind of help their gut back along being like, Hey, we're going to be digesting these proteins again, because they're complete proteins. They're more complex structure than just plant proteins, since those are incomplete proteins, but do know that that isn't bad for you. 
And again, this is my podcast, so we can talk about things from my own experience and what I've seen in field research. And uh, it's sometimes literally saving clients that have been fed bad propaganda, so to speak, um, who were literally falling apart and just reincorporating good quality, sustainable animal proteins changed their life. So whether or not you want to do that, I highly encourage it, but I'm not going to push it on you. I just want to explain the real science because this is something we know and we've seen working with real humans, not just kind of one person's anecdotal experience and not following their blood work the rest of their life. (laughs) And that's an important topic that I want to bring up because especially as we talk about macronutrients and we do get into the protein episode, um, it's really important to understand that there's a multitude of opinions and experiences that people have. And I'm not necessarily going to say that mine is the right and only one, but I am going to share with you my experience with over a thousand women I've worked with over the last decade and um, observing and learning from other professionals in this industry that have helped women become fertile again, fix their problems with their health and get their hair back, get their gut right, you know, lose excess fat that suddenly was just rapidly accumulating due to too much soy consumption, you know, all these different things. And so it's really important that you understand that I'm not trying to be dogmatic about it. I'm just going to be diplomatic about how we bring up what has been true for my practice and various others that I trust and know do their due diligence and don't have anybody giving them money in the background for their opinions and what they share. I'm going to give you an example. So there's a time and place for different diet styles. All of these different diet styles that they do tend to use um, for nutritional interventions are inadvertently manipulating macronutrients. So things like keto for people with epilepsy or diabetes, etc. When we are shifting somebody to dominantly good quality fats, protein, and very low to no carb, that's because their body, especially if they're insulin resistant, we'll go with the diabetes person, can no longer manage carbs very well. So this is a great strategy to managing those sugars as well as helping their health and their body recomposition to something that is healthier also. So I have a client currently who actually we put her in an interventional keto diet and she has been, now she's off metformin by approval of her doctor because she was watching her blood work over the several months that we started her on it. And now she's completely managing her diabetes through her diet. And um, yes, it's a drastic lifestyle change, but especially because she's postmenopausal and it matters more to her to reduce the medication she's on. And it has been exponentially beneficial for her And I'm super proud of her. She's almost 35 pounds down now at this point. So she's getting to a healthier body composition and no longer on a medication that has a lot of long-term side effects. So this is amazing. And this is a nutritional intervention by manipulating macronutrients. Um, So there's a ton of different reasons it's important to kind of look at macronutrients, especially for something I see a lot nowadays, which is hormone imbalances, which tends to actually be a little bit more correlated to people's lifestyles, maybe being more sedentary and not um, managing their blood sugars very well. And that combined with stress, high cortisol, combined with high estrogen, 
when you get more fat, your body fat actually produces estrogen. So not only is your ovaries and such producing estrogen, but so then is your fat. And you get in this thing called estrogen dominance, which is kind of this hormonal storm where if you are a stressed person with high estrogen and you're not very active, you're going to be depositing fat like crazy, especially in your belly fat area. So by following macronutrients, increasing your protein intake with every single meal and reducing your carbs, especially processed carbs, and increasing your good fats, we tend to see a healthier, happier hormone balance. So by including a balance of carbohydrates, proteins, and fats in our meals and choosing whole nutritious foods more often than not, we can ensure we're getting the nutrients we need to feel our best, but also look our best. And that's where macronutrients can be a total game changer in comparison to just calories. Okay, so next I'm going to kind of share a little bit of a brief introduction to each macronutrient so you can kind of begin learning for yourself, especially if you are somebody who is going to start logging their food this week and subsequent weeks. Um, I would challenge you do the entire month of May. It'll be really eye-opening for you. But let's start with carbohydrates. So carbohydrates are your body's primary source of energy. They are found in foods like bread, pasta, fruits, vegetables, etc., but not all carbohydrates are created equal. Simple carbohydrates like candy, soda, white bread, etc., ice cream, etc., <laughs> can cause spikes um, and crashes in your blood sugar levels because they are simple. So simple just means the structure of the carbohydrate is really fast at getting in your bloodstream. So carbohydrates are, they become glucose in the body. So that's a type of sugar. And your glucose or glycogen is then utilized for energy to create like ATP for movement, etc. And so simple carbohydrates are going to be the ones that are fastest to get into your body. So this is where you get kind of that reward system, unfortunately, when you consume something like candy or bread, because it immediately gets into your bloodstream and makes your brain happy <laughs> because your body just craves carbs. So that is the downside to simple carbohydrates, but there are also complex carbohydrates. So those are like whole grains, vegetables, and uh, other more fibrous components that come with carbohydrates. So sometimes we call it water-soluble fiber and insoluble fiber. Insoluble fiber is what we also call prebiotics. It's what feeds your gut and helps you poop regularly, which is a very good thing. Um, and those are usually found in complex carbohydrates. They're more nutritious. They provide sustained energy versus quick energy. Um, so both types of carbohydrates, simple and complex, have a place in your diet. Like for example, for those clients that are trying to gain muscle, I do recommend they eat a good protein and a simple carbohydrate post-workout because it's going to help refuel and replenish the glycogen that'll help your body access energy again, recover better, and build more muscle. Complex carbohydrates are great for long-term sustained energy throughout your day. So like oatmeal in the morning for a long day of feeling kind of sustained until you get hungry towards lunch. That's the difference. Like if you have a simple carb for breakfast, like a bagel, odds are you're going to get really hungry again by like 10 or 11 a.m. If you ate that bagel around like 7 or 8 a.m. A big bowl of oatmeal, especially with combined with protein and stuff, because there's fiber involved and it digests a lot slower, 
you're probably going to feel more sustained with your energy up until like noon to 2 p.m. This is a very common thing that my clients experience and even myself when I have had (laughs) breakfasts that are uh, more simple in the carbohydrate category than a good complex one. Things like chopped up yams in a hash, that's a great another version of a complex carb involved in a breakfast versus simple carbs like toast and things like that. Toast is really not going to give you any specific energy. It's going to give you short-term energy, but then you're going to be on that blood sugar spike and drop kind of roller coaster, and you're just going to be feeling hunger in and out throughout the day. And that's why you might feel cranky, hangry, or just plain old snacky all the time. If you're a snacky person, odds are your meals aren't sustainable enough. They're not complex enough to keep your blood sugar balanced. Balanced blood sugar looks like these major highs and lows of your blood sugar, which then correlate to your hunger and mental clarity, focus, etc. So with that said, all carbs also play a role in your brain function and your digestion. Okay, proteins are the next macronutrient I'll introduce, like I've already kind of talked about it a little bit, but proteins are important for building and repairing tissues in our body, all tissues, not just muscle. And they also produce enzymes, hormones, and other molecules that support our bodily functions. So all the functions that our body is doing that we kind of almost take for granted, those are supported by protein and protein majority only, honestly, Um, because proteins are composed of amino acids, which are unique in their structure in a way that they don't easily become fat. So this is where you tend to see a lot of people who consume in their macronutrient ratios for their daily calories, higher percentage of protein as the total of their daily calories they tend to have a leaner physique and are fuller longer and have better blood sugar because the amino acids don't affect the blood um, the same way that like carbohydrates do. So some common sources of protein include um, different animal meats, fish, eggs, beans, and tofu. I always say organic tofu, um, certified organic. Um, And the amount of protein that we need in our diet kind of varies depending on our age, sex, activity level. But it is very important, and I would recommend for anybody, especially because they just did come out with several studies for people who over over the age of 50 should be consuming, um, I think, roughly 30% of their daily diet in proteins. That means anywhere from 20 to 30 grams of protein per meal. Anything less than that has negative effects on their bone density and uh, muscle retention. So, And there's no negative side effects to consuming higher protein diet when you are aging. Um, That is also something they have recently proven, which is awesome because it supports everything I've always learned and preached. But at the same time, um, it's good to know that from an unbiased perspective, it seems to run true for most humans. And do know another kind of mini myth that has been common is that people are afraid of overeating protein. They say that you can overeat protein. A, I'd like to meet a person who can overeat protein. It is so hard. Like you would have to be sitting there chewing on chicken breasts all day. And that is not easy. I have been there in the past. So that is not a common thing because it's extremely hard and pretty boring to overeat protein. And the second thing is that um, the only category that has ever been studied and published that is a group at risk of overconsuming protein and it being negative on their kidneys is diabetics. And so that is a very specific group and they'd have to be consuming over their body weight in pounds in grams of protein, which would nearly be above 200 grams of protein a day. Um, 
And of course, the quality of the protein, so like factory farm meat versus uh, local farm meat is going to be different as well. I never recommend factory farm meat. I do not support their practices um, and their quality of protein is not my preferred. However, I understand that people with different economic situations cannot always have access to high quality meats from sustainable farmers. So I totally understand that if that's all you can do for your family right now, that's totally fine. Um, but do know that sometimes the quality can influence um, how it affects your body. However, it is it has not been proven that you can overeat protein in a negative way. Again, it's always going to be your lifestyle, your stress levels, and your genetics. And so finally, the final macronutrient is fats. Fats are not only just a source of energy, they also help our body absorb vitamins and minerals. The main vitamins and minerals that are an essential mineral for your body is um, A, D, E, and K. Those have to be consumed in tandem with a fat in that meal, or oftentimes you'll see like vitamin D3 in an oil suspended version in those little gel caps. That's because your body cannot absorb and process those vitamins without a triglyceride. A triglyceride is a fat. It's the structure of the fat. It's basically the molecule, just to kind of give you a little bit of the science side, but not get too sciencey. Healthier fats are like those found in nuts, seeds, and avocados. Those are going to be fats that are um, essentially the purest form of a fat found in nature. Um, that also comes along with fats from animals, so like salmon or chicken thighs. Animal fats are also natural for the body to process, and even things like egg yolks contain good quality fats that have nutrients that you can't really find anywhere else kind of like choline and things like that. There's a whole spectrum of versions of fats because we've really manipulated them, especially in this kind of more industrialized world where you'll hear something that's kind of a buzzword right now, which is seed oils. That's something like canola oil, sunflower oil, uh, grapeseed oil, etc. These are oils that are highly processed. It's changed their structure so they don't break down as easily once they're heated. This makes them more shelf stable and you can have a higher smoke point, which means they won't burn as fast. Um, anytime an oil burns, it changes the structure and turns it into a trans fat. So a large majority of trans fats have become like pretty demonized because they're not great for the body, especially in excess. However, the other fat type that we all know and we've heard about many times is saturated fat. And again, this is another kind of controversial fat that there's actually not a ton of evidence in a healthy whole food based diet, especially if you are a keto diet where you need higher fats, um, saturated fats in excess have not been really shown to actually cause heart disease and other issues. It's when it's in tandem with high processed carbohydrates and other lifestyle factors such as stress, sedentary um, routines and things like that. So do know that saturated fats on their own, if you're a healthy person who eats a dominantly whole food focused diet, are not going to be bad for you when you exceed that 25 grams a day threshold. Generally stated, we do like to keep most people, especially if you are somebody who regularly consumes some processed foods day to day, fast foods, et cetera, that you keep your saturated fats below 25 to 20 grams of your total fat daily intake. Um, that's just kind of direct jargon from the FDA and the CDC, et cetera. But, um, back from my nutrition school days in college, but um, it is important to know that 
All of this is just recommendations and conversations about what I've experienced and macronutrients are not medications. But again, always check with your doctor should you have um, specific health things going on as you listen to this information. But this became especially apparent when you kind of think about groups like the tribes in rural Brazil who dominantly consume coconut and coconut is all saturated fat. Um, so they eat the meat, they drink the milk, etc. every day. It's a high consumption of saturated fat. They don't have a large comorbidity rate for um, dying from heart disease and things like that. So you can't necessarily say that a high saturated fat, saturated fat diet correlates to heart disease because that doesn't seem to ring true for these population samples that do consume high saturated fat, but are also focused around whole natural food sources in their life. Whereas we, especially in the SAD diet, the standard American diet, consume a lot of things like Doritos, Taco Bell, In-N-Out Burger, whatever. And that is where you're getting a combination of carbohydrates and saturated fats and sugars or simple sugars, etc. That's kind of the storm that creates more of that heart disease potential. But again, it's really important to understand that fats play a role in your hormone production and hormones are much deeper than just your sex hormones. It's not just estrogen, testosterone and all of that. It is vitamin D is a hormone, serotonin, cortisol, DHEA, etc. Those are all hormones that do so much in your body every day. Um, and fats play a huge role in it. They also protect your thyroid and your thyroid controls a lot of those hormones. So as you can see, it's really important for you to focus on good quality fats in enough consumption every day. This is somewhere that a lot of my female clients fall short because we've kind of all been uh, indoctrinated that dietary fats are demons. <laughs> They're like little even evil things that turn immediately into body fat in your body. That is simply not true. Um, they are another energy source and when in excess, they can turn into fat, but that is not commonly the situation. If again, you are an active person and you burn exactly or less than you eat. So kind of rounding out the concepts of how it's amazing how we can manipulate macronutrients in our diet to support our physique and health goals. There are several ways, especially depending on your goal, that it can be achieved. So let's start with weight loss. If your goal is to lose weight, you'll want to focus on reducing your overall calorie intake, which is ensuring you're getting enough nutrients. So I do not ever want to see people, especially grown females, um, adult females should never be eating under 1400 calories a day. Arguably, I don't like seeing any of my clients go below 1600 calories a day. That is far too low, especially since most people's BMR, if you're a female adult, is anywhere from 1250 to uh, 1500. So as you can see, if you're just existing, your BMR is your basal metabolic rate. That's how much your body burns by just existing. If you are burning nearly what you are consuming, just like the existing number, not your total daily energy expenditure, which includes your non-exercise activity thermogenesis, which is like walking up and down the stairs or walking around the grocery store and your exercise activity thermogenesis. If you went on a jog or you weightlifted or whatever, you're going to be in a massive calorie deficit. And that's typically where you see people plateau 
and or starch to lose significant amounts of muscle because you cannot simply consume enough. Even if all those calories were protein, you probably are not going to maintain um, the muscle because you're just under eating. So it is important when you have a weight loss goal to not under eat your calories too significantly, even if you are managing the macronutrient ratios. But with that said, one of the strategies, if your goal is to lose weight, is to increase your protein percentage of your daily calories and reduce your carbohydrate percentage. If you are somebody who is very active and needs more energy every day, like you have a sport or you plan to weight lift daily, etc., I actually would encourage an alternate, reduce some of your fats and keep your carbs where they're at or only reduce them a little bit. But you can inverse your carbs and fats as those are the main energy nutrients and protein uh, is a little bit different in the sense that it is more amino acid based, not glucose based, and um, it will support other systems in your body more than the other two nutrients will. And a lot of studies have shown that a higher protein diet helps with weight loss naturally by just reducing your hunger and increasing those feelings of fullness, which is why I said I can I've never seen somebody overeat protein um, intentionally <laughs> or even unintentionally. It is so hard to overeat protein. Like I call liar on whoever says that that's a thing. Um, but additionally, reducing your carbohydrate intake can help with fat loss by decreasing your insulin levels, which tends to promote fat burning, um, more often than not. So with a fat loss or weight loss goal aside, on the other hand, if your goal is to build muscle, you can manipulate your macronutrients in a way to support more muscle growth by, again, increasing your protein content of every single meal because having excess protein in your body helps you not only build and repair your muscle, but have some more in excess should your body need some more for a different system that it's also utilizing that protein or amino acids rather for. Um, but additionally, having higher carbohydrate in your diet carbohydrate percentage, sorry, um, is beneficial for muscle growth because it provides more energy for your workouts and it helps with recovery. Cause again, your muscles need glycogen and it depletes glycogen whenever you work out. So you need to replenish that. If you are not consuming enough protein and carbs every day, you are not going to be able to build muscle because you can't build something out of nothing. Fats are important for your overall health. So when you are building muscle, you do want to continue to choose healthy fats in the amount that you need. Um, so for example, if you have a hundred percent of your calories, 30 or 35% towards your protein and your muscle building goal has you at 40% carbs to maintain that energy and replenish the glycogen for your muscles, then 25% of the remaining calories should be spread out in grams of fat intake. Um, that's a just a basic way to look at it and a general recommendation for people who are trying to build muscle from what I've seen across the board with my female and male clients have success adding muscle. And to kind of finish out the final kind of category, if you're looking for maintenance, this is kind of, it's a great way to look at there's a deficit, which is the weight loss that we first talked about, a surplus, which is referring to a surplus of calories or macronutrients to build muscle and maintenance. Maintenance phase is a really powerful and important phase that we often overlook. And this is because a lot of the times we are constantly trained to believe we need to be dieting in a deficit or passively gaining in a surplus 
um, whether or not we are trying to put on muscle or if we're just kind of hibernating throughout the winter. There is majority of our time is actually spent in maintenance, especially for those people who are like undeterminate dieters. So the ones that just diet constantly and are always trying to watch their weight or watch their calories or whatever. Um, they are kind of passively trying to be in this sort of deficit. But in reality, if all they're trying to do is maintain their weight this whole time, they're in a maintenance phase. And it's really important to focus on not yo-yoing with like gaining weight, losing weight, gaining weight, losing weight, because studies have shown that that um, puts a lot of strain and stress on your organs. It actually points towards your um, longevity with your health and disease potentials. So it's very important for you to try to just get to that healthy set point of your metabolism, um, where your hormones are happy, you're able to sustain the lifestyle that you like, and um, everything else is kind of in this sort of balanced state, but that looks different for everybody. That's not the perfect body. Oftentimes, that's just what your body wants to be at based off your genetics and everything, kind of like what we just talked about in April. Um, So eating a variety of whole foods and minimizing your processed foods is going to help ensure that you are getting the nutrients you need while in a maintenance phase. But It's important to focus on a diet that includes all three macronutrients in every single meal. Again, this is what I call like a rounded meal. If you can focus your life around that type of eating, you most likely are going to manage and maintain a healthy physique that you can be confident in and kind of have a really healthy long-term goal for your health journey. All right, lovely. So as we wrap up this final chunk of episode one of the Macros in May series, I hope you are feeling inspired to take control of your health and well-being by understanding the makeup of the food you consume more so than just the calories. And by learning about macronutrients and how they impact our health, physique, mental well-being, etc., I hope you can make more informed decisions about what you put in your body. And when we fuel ourselves with the nutrients we need to feel our best, we can support our physical and mental health in the process and even show up in life better just by feeling better. So I'm going to kind of reiterate that call to action where I would love to hear you take some time this week to kind of re-listen and educate your own self about your macronutrients by starting to log on a food tracking app. It doesn't have to be perfect. Do your best, but try it out and see where you're landing for yourself. And it's going to bring so much awareness that's going to kind of enrich your understanding around food and hopefully give you actually a little more freedom. Um, And also start looking at labels on the food you eat and kind of taking note of the macronutrient breakdown. So see if most of what you're eating actually isn't that high in protein. If something says high protein and it's under 10 grams of protein, Arguably, if it's under 15 grams of protein per serving, that is not high in protein. Like I said before, I highly recommend most adult females consume minimum 15 grams of protein per meal all the way up to 40. They have found that your body can't uh, break down and utilize all the grams of protein when you supersede 45 grams of protein. So staying below that is best. But honestly, 40 grams and up in protein is really hard to consume unless you're a steak person because steak has. I think like a 
six ounce or a five ounce filet has 35 grams of protein already. So if you have a bigger piece of steak, you probably are consuming more than 40 or 45 or 50 grams of protein. But um, I digress on that. Start learning where your um, foods are kind of lying on the label, which that's what we're going to get into in future episodes. So stay tuned. But um, also check in on where your diet impacts your energy levels and your mood and just your overall well-being. Do you find yourself consuming a meal in the morning and feeling like really hangry only an hour later or really lethargic, like you want to take a nap? Because that is a sign that you maybe overconsumed carbohydrates and your body had a blood sugar spike and you might also have an intolerance to wherever that source of carbohydrates is. So I highly encourage you to kind of make some notes, make a little food journal, whatever it is, start observing the food you eat and see how it is benefiting you or negatively impacting you. But overall, remember, you are the rebel of your own wellness journey and understanding the makeup of the food you consume is a powerful tool in achieving your health and fitness goals. So go out there and rebel against the norm, take change of your health and wellness, and we'll see you next time, next Sunday, on another episode of Rebel Wellness. Thanks for tuning in to our latest episode of Rebel Wellness. If you've been enjoying our conversations around health, fitness, and wellness, we have some exciting news for you. We've recently launched an Instagram page for the Rebel Wellness podcast, where we'll be sharing inspiring quotes from every episode, behind the scenes moments, and updates about upcoming episodes. So be sure to follow us at Rebel Wellness Podcast on Instagram to stay connected with our community. And it's growing, so I'm really excited about it. That's not all though. I also want to introduce you to at Coach by Kales, which is my flagship fitness and wellness coaching business, as I am so passionate about empowering individuals like you to live their healthiest and most enjoyable lives. So if you would love to join me there as well, follow my page for daily inspiration, fitness tips, nutrition tips, sometimes even healthy recipes, as well as debunking more myths around the health and fitness industry in general. By following both pages, you'll be joining a community of like-minded individuals who are all committed to living their best lives as well. So don't hesitate, hit that follow button and join us on this journey to wellness. Again, thank you for listening and I hope to catch you on the gram. Thank you for listening to this episode. We hope that you found the health tips and information provided to be informative and helpful. However, we want to remind our listeners that the information shared in this podcast is not intended to replace professional medical advice. The content presented in this is for educational purposes only and should not be used as a substitute for consultation with qualified healthcare professional. Please consult with your doctor or other qualified healthcare providers before making any changes to your health routine. Thank you for tuning in and we hope to see you again soon.